What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 50th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about buy lows and sell highs, and the reason we are not doing our normally scheduled waiver wire episode, because we are celebrating something very special today, as it is the 100th episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. And before I introduce our wonderful guest and get into our great show today, I just want to say thank you so much, like from the bottom of my heart to all the listeners. Like when I started this podcast a little bit over a year ago, like I truly never thought that I'd end up at 10 episodes, let alone hitting 100 today. And all of you guys' support and the nice comments and everything like that and connecting with you guys on Twitter, TikTok, wherever it is, like it has truly been life changing for me. Like I've enjoyed every single minute of it. I love interacting with you guys. And, you know, I can't wait to make another 100 episodes and hopefully celebrate 200 or 300 or wherever we end up. But truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for listening because it truly means the absolute world to me that you guys get to help make a dream come true for me and getting to create fantasy football content and do that. And the other thing that is very special about today is the guest that we have as we are talking some buy lows and sells highs. So joining me today to celebrate the 100th episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast is a man who is widely considered one of the greatest fantasy rankers of all time formerly of the Football Girl and the Fits on Fantasy podcast. He is now a part of the second biggest fantasy football podcast in the entire world and is widely recognized for his work and contributions to the fantasy community. He's a Packer backer and a Badger forever with over 42,000 followers on Twitter. He is the talented and wonderful Pat Fitzmorris. What's going on, Pat? Alex, uh, so honored that you chose me for your 100th uh, show the big anniversary. So, and uh, congratulations for you to to you for the hundredth episode. Like, what a great milestone, especially for young bucks such as yourself, to knock out a hundred episodes already. Uh, that's amazing. Great work. And uh, you know, I know, like, it's not easy to do a podcast like this often. Find guests, do the legwork, do the prep work. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it and, uh, you know, a lot of grinding behind the scenes to create uh, an hour or so of, of entertainment every week. So uh, congratulations on that, man. I'm honored. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I think it's 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 definitely crazy to get to, you know, like, like I was we were talking a little bit before the show. I mean, meeting people that are like the heroes to you. And I was telling Pat earlier before for the listeners that like me and my dad for the last couple of years have always used Pat's rankings in a little bit of a different way, like Pat and Justin Boone and some of those guys. And I think it's cool to be able to be lucky enough to, to connect with some of those guys that you look up to. And again, like, I mean, seeing what you do, I mean, I know what it's like, at least to the grind, maybe not to your level with the amount of time with all the time you spend on rankings and everything like that, but it's pretty cool. And because of all the time and the grind and everything that you spend, um, in a, in a way, you got a really, really amazing uh, opportunity within the last couple of weeks with the unfortunate passing of Mike Taglier. But now you've been brought on um, as a contributor for the Fantasy Pros team and the Fantasy Pros podcast. So obviously everything, there's no I in team and it's a collective effort. But what does it mean to you to get to be brought in for the opportunity to work with Fantasy Pros and to help try to fill the void that unfortunately that Tags has left us? So what, is, what does that mean to you and how has that been so far? 
Yeah, I mean, t uh, Fantasy Pros is great. Like, it's a, a really great company. Um, you know, I, I love working with Dan Harris, with Joe Pisapia, with Kyle Yates, uh, just fantastic guys. And Fantasy Pros and I had sort of batted eyes at each other before, um, you know, and I, I think had it not been for tags getting sick, I, I they were talking about, you know, I probably would have been approached about sort of a, uh, a managing editor's position like after the season or something, but with, you know, tags down and this was just, you know, when er, kind of early in his hospital stay, they realized that he probably wasn't going to be able to contribute this season, you know, and unfortunately things uh, went terribly wrong and, and tags is no longer with us. And now I'm, I'm doing the primer for him, which is just, I mean, it's always going to be his baby, this, this giant's uh, article every week with something, about every fantasy viable player and tags used to crank these things out at like 30,000 to 40,000 words. I think mine have all come in around 18,000 words. I'm just not capable of uh, grinding the way tags did, but um, yeah, man, it's just like, he's irreplaceable. He really is. He's just a special guy at, and attending his memorial service and funeral this past weekend and, and like getting to hear from his family members and friends, people who've known him, since well before he became a big deal in the fantasy biz. Um, like his wife talked about him having this light uh, that she could always see in him. And I think his friend saw it. I mean, I heard from a friend who basically like moved right across the street from him just to be around him. Like he was that kind of guy. He had this incredible charisma and just kindness and caring for everyone he came across. Um, you know, like I hope at my funeral someday, people just say that I was good company and that I wasn't a dick. Like that's, if, if people say that about me, I'll be happy. But like tags had this light and his wife was so happy that he made it as a high profile fantasy analyst and other people got to see this light that she had always seen. So, um, he truly is irreplaceable. I could never replace him. So that's definitely not the goal, but, um, you know, stepping in and doing this, the primer, something that he birthed and, uh, you know, brought to be this thing that, you know, a lot of people read every week. It's, it's a great honor and I don't take it lightly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I love everything that you said about it. And I think that's one of the things that obviously whenever someone like that, especially someone so special and someone that I've looked up to for years goes down, I mean, it's, it's, it's awful to see, but I think it's one of the things that seeing the result of all of it, um, made me pretty grateful to be a part of the community and all the people. I mean, how people have rallied around his family, yeah. um, memorial and everything like that. I mean, I've never seen that. I, I wouldn't have expected that someone that talks about fantasy football for a living, like had such a big impact on so many people and seeing all the stories on Twitter of all the people that had their own interactions with him and how he supported them, no matter who you were, where you were in the community, he seemed to really support everyone and, and show that light. And I'm glad that I'm thankful that, people supported and rallied around his family so much. And I look forward to, you know, continuing to see other people. I mean, try to do things in the name. And that's why we're here today a little bit to kind of celebrate him in the sense we're talking about fantasy football and probably wouldn't want to have it any other way. So with that being said, um, on the positive note, I'm excited to jump into these fantasy football content and that today. And there's no better way to start when the positives, the guys that you need to buy, the guys that you need on your fantasy football team. So Pat, I ask you, who is your number one buy low player right now? The guy I think you can still buy pretty low is Kenny Galladay. Uh, he, he is one. And this is a guy who 
I always appreciated when he was in Detroit and uh, just considered to be sort of a true alpha receiver, that ability he had to just bully people and win those contested catches. Like that is his, something he is great at and probably one of, you know, the top five or 10 guys in the league at, at winning those contested balls, those balls he has to go up in high point. Like he's a, a pretty impressive physical specimen. So he changes teams and I'm always a little bit wary of receivers who change teams and have to build chemistry with a new quarterback and everything. And then he's hurt in training camp. So he doesn't get those valuable reps with Daniel Jones. Um, you know, things don't start well. And all of a sudden Sterling Shepard is, is getting this giant number of carries. Um, you know, in a way, I think the Shepard injury kind of helped Galladay because it sort of sped that chemistry along. And, and we've seen it the last couple of weeks, like he and Jones are starting to click. Um, and I kind of think like he's built uh, Jones. This is a, a level of trust with Galladay that we're not going to see disappear now. Although I will say the one thing that kind of worries me is that uh, like we saw Kadarius Tony look really good yesterday. Like, yeah a very intriguing talent, but I do think Galladay is going to continue to have a role. And we saw this guy, like for the people who are worried about whether he's going to hit with Daniel Jones, who a lot of people consider to be a mediocre, mediocre quarterback. Fine. But uh, Kenny Galladay just crushed it like two years ago with David Blau taking over for the injured Matt Stafford. And as someone who watched David Blau play at Purdue, like barely an NFL caliber backup quarterback and Galladay like posted wide receiver one numbers in five games with Blau at quarterback, like three touchdowns, 90 yards a game, something like that. Um, so I'm not worried at all about Jones not being good enough to uplift Galladay. I think he's going to be like, you know, at least a low level wide receiver to the rest of the way. And I think you can get him at a pretty reasonable price. Well, I think his, his price is definitely pretty reasonable. I, I had a league that, I mean, it was like a $100 buy-in league, and he, he was on the waiver wire last week. And <sighs> I, I couldn't believe that the people, I mean, like the people are dropping him at this point. It, I mean, it was nice for me because I picked him right up and I had a high priority. Um, but I, I think he's someone, I, I do worry about his target share a little bit and what that looks like with Sterling Shepard there and if Kadarius Tony continues to emerge. But again, I think it's somewhat similar to like why they're never going to take Zeke off the field, in my opinion, at least, is, I mean, they paid him so much money to come here. I don't think they're going to pay him to have that secondary role. And I think one of the things that you mentioned is like with training camp and stuff like that, he didn't get that time to gel as much with Daniel Jones. I think it's a role that's only going to grow over the season. And I guess another way to put it is why he, I think he is a good buy low is like, his value is not going to get any lower than it is right now. I mean, he did have a bounce back week this week, but considering the type of talent he is and the team that he is and the role that he should be in, I don't think his value could get any lower than it is right now. So he's definitely someone to intrigue. Not a guy that I was a fan of going into this season where he was being drafted, but definitely someone I'm willing to buy low on. Another guy that I don't know how – I mean, you could say that this guy isn't a buy low. Maybe it's just me, Twitter, overreacting and getting upset at people view this player. Um, but my, my first buy low is DeAndre Swift. And I know people are already laughing listening to this because they know I'm one of the biggest DeAndre Swift stands in the entire world. But obviously this week that there was reports that came out that DeAndre Swift, we'd see more of him and more work. And fantasy managers were pretty disappointed this week in the fact that he was even with Jamal Williams in touches. I know that Jamal Williams didn't get any targets and Swift at five or six. But one of the things that when I look a little deeper at the game that is very encouraging about Swift and the people that think that Jamal Williams is not going away is the fact that DeAndre Swift played a season high 73% of the snaps this week. 
that was a season high. So they said we were going to see more of him and that the touches didn't necessarily come, but he was still on the field for 73% of the snaps. He ran a pass route on 71% of the pass route routes. I'm sorry, ran a pass route on 71% of the pass plays, which is elite. He was on the field for 89% of the long down and distance plays, 100% of the two minute offense. And like people are acting like Jamal Williams is like completely ruining his career right now, but he's still the running back seven and half PPR so far. Just because he had one bad game and Williams happened to get 14 carries and he started the game does not mean this guy's going anywhere. He's still playing over 70% of the snaps, and that's a top 12 snap share in the entire NFL for all running backs right now. I think for the people that are a little bit too scared of Jamal Williams, I think DeAndre Swift is a great buy low if you can buy him low. But I think you could also make the argument that he really isn't a buy low. But I think there's enough people that talk about him and are scared enough that he's not going to be the guy all season. What are you? Where are your thoughts on DeAndre Swift? Oh, I'm with you, Alex. I mean, it's a it's a buy whether it's considered low or not. Coming off the one kind of shaky game, it was just the rare game we've seen this season. Really, the only one where he didn't make a lot out of the targets that he got, and um, you know, for whatever reason. But Detroit does not have a good group of wide receivers. They are kind of funneling this offense through the the backs and and. TJ Hawkinson, uh, they sort of have to go that way. And, uh, you know, Kittle gets the, we love seeing running backs get involved in the passing game, a, a pass. Uh, you know, I think Scott Barrett of, of, uh, uh, fantasy points. yeah, fantasy points. Thank you. I was blanking on Barrett's, uh, company. He noted that a target is worth 2.3 times what a carry is, I think, for a running back. So we love that involvement in the passing game. It's very valuable. And like he's uh, he gets some of the, the work inside the 10-yard line, those valuable carries we like. So um, I'm encouraged by the way he's been used with the Dan Campbell regime so far. And total a total buy, I mean, he was a great deal for the people who were able to get him in like late third or even fourth round this year. And, uh, you know, if you can buy this little dip, I agree, you should jump all over it. A hundred percent. I think the other thing that I really like about the Dan Campbell regime so far is how they've managed his injury. I know that people don't like the fact that he's being limited in practice every single time that he's going into the week questionable, but they really have seemed to show that they've, they're taking the, all the time they have. And they've Dan Campbell said early on, we're going to, we'll see that we'll manage the reps on Monday. And the fact that he's still getting almost a, not a full workload that we'd want to see, but at least the snap share is starting to go up a little bit. And we'll see where that goes. Again, people are probably tired of me talking about DeAndre Swift, but he is my highest owned player. The only player I have owned more than 66% of my leagues, and I have him in 15 out of 16 redraft leagues. I know that is crazy, but I just had to buy the value and, and buy what he has, and it's worked out well so far. So, But down weeks like this obviously don't help. But who is your second buy low player going into today? I've got Jerry Judy um, out with a high ankle sprain, and it was kind of a bad one. So he could miss another two, three weeks, maybe four weeks. But eventually he's going to get rolling and get back up to speed. And uh, I I was heavily invested in him before the season. Um, and I like I think he's going to be fantastic. I mean, he's a, a terrific route runner and really dangerous after the catch. Like he's just totally meets the eye test passes with flying colors. And, um, you know, once, like, I know Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion this week and might not play against uh, the Steelers in week five, but 
Teddy is a, a clear upgrade over Drew Locke. And now that he is making this passing game functional again, I'm really excited about what it's going to look like when Judy gets back. I know they have other pass catchers, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and um, Tim Patrick. That depth chart thing is part of what I think is going to throw people off the trail with Judy. But like the talent rises to the top, man. And, and Judy is the best receiver in this group. And I think he is going to start putting up numbers as soon as he gets back. And, uh, you know, with the injury and the target competition on the Broncos, I think you can get him at a pretty reasonable price right now. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I hate to be so agreeable, but I think one of the reasons that I like him as much as I do beyond already, I was someone that was, he's one of my higher owned players already is just the fact that even in his absence, we haven't really seen anyone take over as like the wide receiver one and like show that they're going to really, you know, compete with Judy and force him to not get as many targets or a bigger slice of the pie. I mean, I don't think that, I mean, Cortland Sutton did have that big game, but it's not like we've seen that any guy since Judy's been out the last three weeks or so that really was like the guy and took over. They're all having like a similar target share to what they had before Judy. And to me, that says that if Judy is the talent that we think he can be, then he's going to come right back in and be the guy for them. And especially with someone that's as historically accurate um, as Teddy Bridgewater is, I think that could bode really, really well for his fantasy value. But the ankle injury does worry me, but I think for people that are a little bit too wary of that in the Broncos offense, I'd be willing to pluck Jerry Judy off them just about any day now, especially when he should be back from what we've heard by reports within the next two or three weeks max. Um, so hopefully we'll see him soon. He's someone that, I'm definitely buying, but another guy that I'm starting to buy, and I have to say, this is a guy that I took a huge L on this year, a guy that I was not high on at all, just because I never thought he'd be able to take the role, but he also still has to sustain it. He hasn't shown us all of it just yet, but that's Daryl Henderson, because his usage mm -hmm. on this team so far when he's been playing has been elite. Can he hold up for a full season? That's going to be the biggest question, obviously, because he didn't hold up well after two games. I know you're screaming at me already, people, that he had, a, he had one injury and now I'm saying it's the end of the world. Well, he's a buy low for me because there's not many guys that you can see now that are playing 90% of the snaps with a rib injury. And then his other full game that he played, he played 94% of the snaps week one. You don't count week two. He played 68% of the snaps, but he got hurt in that game. But the two games that he's played in full, he's played over 90% of the snaps. And like I talked about with Swift, you want guys that are going to get targets. And Daryl Henderson last week or this week ran a pass route on 91% of their pass plays. He had two-thirds of their carries, a 13% target share. The offense that he's in is already elite and one of the best offenses in the NFL. But the other thing that really sticks out to me about Daryl Henderson, and that if you're not a believer, is that when he was out that one week, you saw that Sean McVay wanted to keep a three-down back on the field because Sony Michelle played and he wasn't splitting carries with Jake Funk. Sony Michelle had 20 out of 21 running back carries in that offense. So it, it seems like this year, I know it's a smaller sample size that Sean McVay wants a guy that's going to play three downs and is that is going to be the guy that's going to carry the load and, you know, rest in peace Cam Akers for what he could have been in this offense. But Daryl Henderson's a de guy that I'm definitely willing to buy because of his elite usage. Are you feeling the same way? Or are you fading the town a little bit more with Henderson? No, I agree. I think he uh, deserves to go back into like running back two range and he looked really good yesterday. And um, I don't know, Alex, I thought it was going to be like maybe a 60 40 split with him coming back from this injury and, and playing a little banged up. Not at all. I mean, we saw what Sonny Michelle get did two or three carries yesterday. I, I can't remember, but like Daryl just dominated the work. So um, I'm, I'm on board with that. Like I, would feel pretty good about him as my running back too right now. I agree. 
I agree. And I think there's some other guys that I think in a, in a package deal that I might be willing to trade for um, someone like Daryl Henderson that we'll talk about a little bit later. Before we get into that, we each have one more buy low. And I have to say, out of all your buy low picks, there's no guy that I love more that I was repping really hard during this offseason than Trey Lance. So, Pat, please do us all a favor and tell us why we should be buying Trey Lance right now while we still can. Oh, good. I'm glad you're on board with this one, Alex. Well, first of all, I think that the buy low opportunity would have been gone if he had come in and just lit it up yesterday, but that kind of didn't happen. It, it, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that when the quarterback gets in there after not getting the reps all week, like he doesn't look sharp right away. So, um, you know, maybe what Trey Lance is capable of doing was disguised a little bit with what we saw from him in that appearance yesterday. And uh, I'm just... I'm excited about the running ability. Like he is going to produce usable rushing numbers right away. And the, the passing numbers are kind of going to be gravy. But I think what he is with the baseline is, is the equal of Jalen Hurts as a runner. And he's a better passer. Like I, I no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a better passer than Jalen Hurts. So, and we're getting, you know, pretty exciting numbers out of Jalen Hurts that don't always look, the numbers are better than, what Jalen Hurts looks like, I think, a lot of the time. But that's the cheat code of a running quarterback, and yep. we're going to get that with Trey Lance, and it's going to be valuable. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top 10 quarterback the rest of the way. Well, Pat, I, I don't, I, I can't really say too much right now because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about him in a different portion of our episode. So I will give you some of the stats and numbers and the reasons why I was on him and why Russian quarterbacks are so valuable to those Konami guys. So I won't, I won't say anything other than the fact that he played one half and he had 20 fantasy points in one half. Uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous. But I love Trey Lance. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But first, let me get into my final buy low guy. And maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm just a little crazy because I'm a Patriots fan. I watched the Bucks play the Patriots last night, and that was a great game and something pretty special to watch. But my buy low guy is Jacoby Myers. And the reason that I love Jacoby Myers is not the fact that he has the NFL record for most catches without a touchdown by more than 50. That's not the reason why I love him. But I love him because of the volume. And volume for me is king in fantasy football. And when you can get a guy like Jacoby Myers that is averaging 10.25 targets a game on this offense, um, again, not going to be a great offense, but we saw last night that Mac Jones is someone that's shown to be very accurate so far. And when you get a guy accuracy times 10 targets a game, um, that's going to be big things for fantasy numbers. And again, Jacoby Myers with that is averaging almost seven receptions per game, 62 yards per game. They have some nice matchups coming up with the Texans and the Cowboys and the Jets have been a tougher matchup, but still, I don't think they're a great defense. And, you know, he's, he's also thrown for a, a few passing yards. So again, because of the volume alone, I'm definitely going to be buying Jacoby Myers because I think that for people on the waiver wires, he's been a borderline waiver wire pick so far. And I think that people aren't realizing how much volume he's getting. Is Jacoby Myers the guy you have any shares of or any interest in? Or are you just like, I don't want this guy. He'll never catch a touchdown for me. No, he's in a couple of my rosters. And, uh, you know, I dialed down the player props a little bit yesterday. But the biggest one I had was Jacoby Myers over five and a half catches in that game last night. And I thought that was just kind of easy money. And another thing, Alex, is with James White out, maybe that's going to... You know, those are some vacated short area targets. And, uh, you know, Jacoby is is probably going to inherit some of those. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there's like 100 catch potential for Jacoby this year. Um, hopefully the touchdowns are going to follow. I mean, that's uh, 
we saw it happen with DJ Moore, like eventually the snaps out of the the touchdown drought and regression kind of kind of kicks in. I know that you know he's not the the deep. He's not going to score long. He's uh, it's probably going to be touchdowns inside the ten yard line. But you know, I think he's going to get a few before the year's out. Well, one of the things that you brought up, I think that's interesting. Just to note real quick, is that you said James White got hurt, and did he get hurt at the end of last game? So we have a one and a half game sample size. Yes, but in that one and a half game sample size, he had a season high fourteen targets in a in a second best of the season 12 targets last week without James White there without those short area targets and um, I don't think Brandon Bolden is going to be the guy that takes the short area targets all year or JJ Taylor who fumbled on his one or two catches last night it was not good so I think with that being said I think you make a good point we've seen in a very small six quarter sample size roughly that he has gotten a couple more targets and we'll see how that translates a little bit forward but he's definitely a guy that I'm willing to buy by low on but Let's transition a little bit, unless you have anything else to say about Jacoby Myers towards the sell-high portion. And the, we got, I have to say, I mean, we've, we've been agreeing so far. We can't agree on everything, Pat. Yeah, I will, say, I will say, Alex, that was a hell of a throw uh, right on the money to Nelson Aguilar oh. last night. Very impressive by Jacoby. So bonus yeah. points for that. Exactly. And whenever you can get a guy that you know might add maybe roughly one point a game of the passing yards, I mean, that could be the difference between winning and losing a week. Because last night I had Sorry. a fantasy matchup that I won by, I think it was half a point because Tom Brady only put up 11 points for the guy I was playing against. And somehow that won me the week. And I, when they were on that third and eight at the end of the game and he was throwing to Brown, I mean, that would have lost me the matchup and lost my my fandom for the Patriots. And they still didn't end up winning. But that would have been a tough way to lose. Uh, but it didn't happen, thankfully. But again, that is what it is. And Jacoby Myers is a guy that I'm going to buy. But moving on to the sell high portion. This is where we start to disagree. I'm a big fan of yours. Obviously, I've given you some nice compliments, but this is the time where we gotta, you know, I gotta put my hard hat on and say that, you know, Pat might be really smart, but we gotta gotta disagree a little bit here. So please tell us why Ezekiel Elliott should be a sell high player at this moment. Yeah. So um I, like I'm not gonna overstate this. I mean, I think yeah. he's still a, a running back one. Um okay. it, you would have to have a confidence in the rest of your running back stable to be willing to part with him, of course. But I think this is probably the height of where he's going to be. Okay. They are giving Tony Pollard a lot of work. And this is kind of who Mike McCarthy is. I mean, like people might remember that uh, three or four years ago in Green Bay, the, the fantasy managers all over were saying free Aaron Jones because they were angry that Aaron Jones was sharing work with Jamal Williams at the time, like, you know, it was kind of a 50, 50, it's never going to be a 50, 50, but we are seeing Tony Pollard get some pretty good run in Dallas these days. Um, and the other thing I, I think Alex is that like, we have not seen real pass heavy game scripts for Dallas this year, which is unusual. Part of it is that, you know, they do have Zeke back in and fully healthy. We know he was playing banged up last year, so they like to have balance when they can, but They've had some weird game scripts and some some blowouts. They blew out the Eagles. They were comfortably ahead of Carolina for most of week four. Um, just kind of a weird game against the Chargers in week two where they didn't run much. The only real pass-heavy game we've seen from the Cowboys was that Thursday night opener against the Buccaneers. I think things are going to tip back toward that a little, and maybe we'll, they're going to lose a little bit of this rushing volume. And... Um, you know, it's just the, the sell high is kind of a relative thing. Like, I just think 
like he is kind of at the height of his value right now. And we know that you could get a lot in return for Zeke. If you had the running back back depth to be able to leverage it and pull it off, um, you know, I think he would be a pretty attractive commodity to other teams right now. I, I think I was ready to disagree. And then everything you said, I think was completely fair <laughs> with Zeke. I, I was worried that there's some other people that are saying like sell Zeke, sell Zeke. But I mean, I think that, People are going over the fact that he's still playing a 70% plus snap share every single time. And I think that last year we saw that this is I was pounding the table for Zeke all offseason because like last year was the worst possible scenario in terms of him being injured, the entire line being injured, Dak being injured, like nothing went his way. And he was still a running back one in fantasy. So that is like his absolute floor. And I like that you said that he's still a running back one. But I think the, like you said, sell high is very relative. And I think that isn't, I'm glad you made that distinction because like sell high doesn't mean that you have to punt this player, but it might be a guy that someone might be really interested in Zeke and see that he's been really good. It has potential and they might be willing to give up something that you're willing to take. So I think that in the, in that terms of the relativity of it, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with Zeke, especially with the work that Pollard's getting and he's producing on every touch. Yeah. Can I, can I say something about that, Alex? I just want to add that like um, as a trader, I'm, I'm one of these people who feels like, you know, I try not to assume that my uh, rivals in, in any league are idiots. You know, they're, they're smart. They know what they're doing. I'm not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, like um, trying to, to voice some, bum who just goes for you know i'm not trying to sell peyton barber like he's a running back one because he had 100 yards last week um elliot's good you have to to give something to get something in most cases and and elliot is a clearly a very valuable player um but i just think maybe like his perceived value right now is maybe just just outpaces the actual value by a little bit not a lot but a little bit um, still a, a solid running back one. And uh, I just think now might be a good time to, to see what you could get. And I'm sure it's quite a lot for him. That is, I think that's a completely fair aspect. And isn't with any of these guys that are producing such good numbers, it's always good just to test the waters. I like you said, it, everyone might be smart, but all you need is one person out of the other nine or 11 or 15 people that are playing to, to value him higher than you do. And that's where you get value back with the correct pieces. So I think that's very fair. Another guy that I was so in on before the season, and it felt like to me that everything was pointing to a big role. Um, but the role has just gone down and down and down from week one, and it's so disappointing, and that's Antonio Gibson. So we started off the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing 65% of the snaps. He ran more pass routes than, than J.D. McKissick, and he had like 25 total touches. And then he went down to 61% of the snaps, 57, and finally 55% of the snaps in week four. And after having 25 touches in week one, the last three weeks without Fitzpatrick, I don't know if it's just a Fitzpatrick thing, he's only been averaging 15 touches a game. And 15 touches for someone like a DeAndre Swift that's going to get like five or six targets and on 15 touches, okay, that's a little bit better because targets are so valuable. But he's averaging these numbers with no more than two targets a game since Fitz went down which is very concerning, especially when J.D. McKissick has played more than 40% of the snaps in three out of four games so far. And this is probably just a crazy stat, and there's no way on earth, at least I hope, that this stays true. But J.D. McKissick has more carries from without, inside the 10-yard line and inside the 5-yard line. I think that's an anomaly. But again, his snap percentage for what his value is right now is concerning, and especially the fact that he's gotten in the end zone the last two weeks. There definitely might be someone that's willing to pay up for – 
RB1 value right now where he might not necessarily have that playing not 60% of the snaps and not getting the target volume that he should be getting. I love the talent. I love the player. I wish Kyle Allen was right and they were trying to force him into that CMC-like role, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get that. J.D. McKissick obviously is still a factor, so he's someone that I'd definitely be willing to sell high on because he's gotten in the end zone the last couple weeks. Are you more confident in, in Antonio Gibson than I am? So I think I started the year with him maybe as my running back nine or so and did rest of yeah did rest of season ranks today, and I think I had him at running back four. 14. And so like, I'm, I'm still totally sold on the talent. I think he's terrific, but it is frustrating that they have McKissick locked into this third down back role. And when they get into their hurry up offense, they do not like to, you know, it's McKissick in there and he doesn't come off the field. You know, there are no changes to that. And unfortunately, like those are really valuable snaps because they're, you know, moving and they're dumping off to McKissick. They're handing off to McKissick. We've seen two games like that week two and week four, where I think they had like a couple of drives in the hurry up and McKissick really piled up stats. And it's just sad, Alex, because like Gibson has this passing down skill set. He's a converted wide receiver, for goodness sakes. And we we have to assume he'd probably be better at this than McKissick would be because this is a dude who is as big as Jonathan Taylor is as fast as Jonathan Taylor is. And he used to play wide receiver. Like I think he'd be fantastic in this role, but Washington was, doesn't want to work their, their young rookie well, second year running back to death. So um, they're, you know, keeping McKissick in this role and it's, it's, it's holding down Gibson's value. It's really frustrating. It, it, it totally is frustrating, um, but, you know, it is it is what it is. And I think my reasoning was, like, McKissick's 28. He's a running back journeyman, and he's had more than 50 targets just one time in his career so far. So, like, why is he going to all of a sudden, without Alex Smith, going to keep this role when Antonio – they said Antonio Gibson, and Antonio Gibson himself was like, I just didn't understand the passing play, so we were hoping. But, again, I would say to people that I'd definitely be willing to sell high on Gibson right now after getting that long touchdown last week. Obviously, that's always great. But again, he's happened to fall in on the end zone the last two weeks. But if he didn't, people would be very, very off him. And like you said, I think running back 14 or 15 is fair. I'm not saying that Antonio Gibson's outside the top 24 for us. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if you can get near RB1 value for him, I would absolutely be willing to do that right now. Because I think there's someone that would be willing to pay up that's confident in who he is and what he can be. But, you know, that is what it is. But I hope that in some of my leagues, because I have a higher ownership of him, that I might be able to you know, trade him or buy low on someone like a Joe Mixon or someone like that that can get a little bit more volume and is on the field a little bit more. Similar to like a Daryl Henderson. I wouldn't trade them straight up, but if I can get Henderson in another piece because of his usage, I'd definitely be thinking about doing that, at least at this point. But that is that on Antonio Gibson. Who is your second sell-high player for the moment? It's Adam Thielen, Alex. Um, and he was not a guy I was too interested in buying before the season, although I did wind up with him in, in probably my biggest home league. Um, he, yeah, he had been getting, I think in 2017, 2018, he was averaging like 9.3 targets a game. In the last two years, he's averaged closer to like 6.5, I want to say. And we have seen Justin Jefferson take over. He is the man now. Um, and and Thielen has this touchdown scoring thing where going into yesterday's game, he had scored 18 touchdowns in 18 games. Like we knew the regression was coming and we've said that over and over and over and he keeps scoring touchdowns and keeps preserving this fantasy value, which is, you know, disproportionately touchdown driven for Thielen. 
So once the touchdown, uh, once the TDs start to dry up a little, as they inevitably will, it's going to hurt Thielen's value, as is Jefferson being this, this target hog there. Uh, we didn't think there was going to be a viable third receiver there. We were wrong about that. K.J. Osborne has actually been pretty good. We didn't know if there was going to be any uh, you know, tight end damage after Irv Smith got hurt, but Tyler Conklin's getting targets too every week now. So I think we kind of started to see this a little bit yesterday where Thielen just sort of disappeared. I don't think he separates like he used to, especially when he's lined up on the outside. Um, so I, I think this is a good time to get out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Thielen's not a guy that I was buying at all before the season because, again, the, just the touchdown regression was so due, and he made me he made me look like a silly goose for sure for the first couple of weeks getting the touchdowns. But once that's been gone, we haven't seen it, and the yardage just hasn't been there enough. And like you said, I mean, there's just so much volume going to so many different places in this offense. They have Justin Jefferson, who's looking like a I mean, top three or if not the number one overall, like dynasty wide receiver right now. He's been ridiculous. Cook is still going to get his targets. We've seen KJ Osborne step up, Tyler Conklin getting targets. So again, unless Thielen's going on an insane touchdown season like he did last year, I just think the consistency week to week is just not going to be there. And I agree that he's a guy that I'd be selling high. And the, the next guy that we're going to get into is a tough one for me because I was banging the table really hard um, on this player. And I think based off my argument that you could also argue this guy is a buy low, but it, it's definitely very concerning for me. And that's, that's Tyler Lockett. And I know the listeners are already cringing because I beat the drum for him so hard. And again, please correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I'm just getting a little too annoyed at his last two games. But the Seahawks right now are averaging 27 pass attempts per game right now, which would have been dead last in the NFL last year, even over the Titans, even over the Ravens, dead last. They are not letting Russ cook at all. And they're playing at an absolute snail's pace right now. But the thing that really worries me is similar to what we saw with Lockett last year, that he actually had a really good first nine weeks. And then he had that pretty devastating knee injury that he played through. And we just didn't see the same Tyler Lockett. So that's kind of where I'm coming from here, that his hip or knee injury that he had last week really could hurt him the same way it did last year. And then I was reading about Tyler Lockett and they were saying that this guy's a warrior. He plays through absolutely everything, even when he shouldn't be playing. And I'm a little worried about that injury. I'm a little worried about their pace and their passing volume. And again, this is still a guy that's had eight catches for 55 yards over the last two weeks. And then why is he a sell high, Alex, if he's put up crappy numbers the last two weeks? But again, he's still like a top seven or eight fantasy receiver. And I think I'd be willing to sell him for the right price if I can get a solid wide receiver two or someone like that, that someone else is trying to get rid of at this point, because I'm a little bit worried about his consistency and how hard it's going to be for there to be a viable option every single week with their passing volume and his potential injury. So Pat, please talk me off the ledge here if I'm being crazy or, or tell me that you agree. Where are you at on Tyler Lockett? So I think I've got him still just inside wide receiver one range for the rest of the season, but you bring up a really valid point about uh, them not really letting Russ cook and, and, their passing volume just being really scaled down this year. And I think the first couple of weeks, it was actually, they were victims of their own success as far as that goes. Like they were scoring so quickly and a bunch of them were on these splash plays to Tyler Lockett, three long touchdowns in the first two games. And so that kind of kept the pass volume artificially low. But then the last two weeks, it's not so artificial. Like it's been low. Uh, they've, you know, they're always going to be like 
the Pete Carroll team. They're they're never going to abandon the run completely. That's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, we've been seeing them play kind of slow. Um, I I think Shane Waldron's new offense is about getting the ball out sort of quickly and on shorter routes. So even though Lockett did have these big, long touchdowns early in the season, I don't know if we're going to see that kind of thing because it's not like Russ is throwing the home run ball all the time. Um, yeah, so that is that is kind of a valid concern. And certainly like the, the sell high window is open right now with Lockett still being a you know one of the highest scoring receivers in, in football. Yeah, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I really hope I'm severely wrong because I have a high share of him, especially with the talent he is. And I thought that this offense with the quicker passes would help him with someone like him that's very quick, that plays the slot role. This Shane Waldron offense would open him up even more for a lot more catches and less of like the big plays that we saw him fail with last year down the stretch because of the of defenses were keying in on those big, big plays and stuff like that. So I hope I'm wrong, but because of the pace – and their pass attempts right now, um, definitely someone I'd be willing to sell high on for the right price. But again, like you said, that is all relative. But going on to our final sell high players of the day, who is your number three sell high guy that needs to go right now? All right, I totally hate myself for bringing this one up, Alex, but it's uh, Cordero Patterson. And let me put this into perspective, though. Like, I'm not saying I don't believe in Cord Cordero Patterson. Like, this is one of the best stories, maybe the best story of the 2021 fantasy season so far that this – converted wide receiver who's on the wrong side of 30 is like just a smash success at like the reason Mike Davis was getting drafted in the fifth round was because like, Oh, look at, look at the amount of work he's going to get. Who's behind him. Cordero Patterson, people rolling their eyes. Yeah. Yes. Cordero Patterson winds up being this, this super threat. And like, not only is he draining the value of Mike Davis, I think he's helping drain the value of Ridley and Pitts too. Like he is vampiring the value of like three teammates and being this weekly smash play. So the only thing is like, I think he's at the absolute height of his value. Like the bubble is as high as it's going to get. Maybe he's going to continue to be valuable. I mean, I, I ranked him as like a lower end RB two the rest of the way for, for value, like running back 20. So I, I guess I'm kind of buying it. Yeah. But if you have him, you probably picked him up on waivers uh he's you know can't possibly be more valuable than he is right now i mean this is like found treasure for you you know you you found this uh <laughs> you found this hundred dollar bill in the street you know you're not gonna put it in the bank like go and spend it to get something else man exactly I'm so yeah it's not that i don't believe it like i believe it but it just seems like the circumstances are right to try to move him now while he is at the absolute height of his exactly. value. Exactly. And, and I agree. And I agree. And I think the thing is, is like he's produced every week so far. It's not like this today was his – I mean, yesterday on Sunday, we're recording this on Monday, was absolutely his coming out party having three touchdowns on like nine, nine touches at one point. <laughs> but like he's produced well every single week. But I think that my point in that – is he's produced well every single week, and we still saw him only play 30% of the snaps this week. That's not me coming on here saying Mike Davis is the guy. It's not Cordell Patterson. I'm not saying that at all. But again, like with everything that he's done, like he's they still only have him on the field for 30% of the snaps. He only ran a pass route on just 29% of their pass plays, 12% target share. And again, I mean, like these are all things that, like, again, if he's only playing these many snaps and he's never going to get above 40 or 50%. The role is just unsustainable. And could we see like the Alan Th Adam Thielen type season where he just keeps like 
insane efficiencies his way to like an RB1 finish. I, mean, I hope so because I, I would love to see it. And I know Ian Harditz out there will be always smiling every time Cordell Patterson will make a play. But again, I just don't think the it's going to run out. And the fact that he is an RB1 right now, I think there might be some people that be willing to trade from and invest in that value, especially because Mike Davis has been anything but good. I think he had 13 carries for like 14 yards yesterday. I mean, I'd love to see them run out Cordell Patterson for like 70 or 80% of the snaps. But the reason that I'm, we're talking about this as a sell high is I just don't think he gets there enough. And I think his upside is capped if he's not going to get the snap share because you can only be so efficient. And I think that I tried to make my next guy, I and mean, I to go off of this. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you guys a little bit of a word salad here. I'm not really sure what I'm saying. But Kareem Hunt is someone that I think is a little bit similar. I'm not saying Kareem Hunt and Cordell Patterson are the same player. I'm not saying that Kareem Hunt is a way better talent than Cordell Patterson is. But when we talk about upside and how efficient people are, I don't think Kareem Hunt could be more efficient right now. And he's still playing with arguably the best pure running back in the entire NFL, regardless of fantasy. And Kareem Hunt, in the four games he's played, has played 47%, 38 41 and 53% of the snaps. One game over 50% of the snaps in four games so far. It's just unsustainable efficiency. Do the Browns have one of the better offenses in the NFL? Yes. Are they as run-heavy as almost any team in the NFL? Yes, I agree. But for me, when you're only playing that much of the snaps, I just think his upside is capped, especially when he's playing with someone as talented as Nick Chubb. And it's not like Nick Chubb isn't producing, but like they're both producing right now. But I just think that upside-wise for the course of the season, I just don't want to trust the snap share. As talented as Kareem Hunt is, I think Nick Chubb is just way too good for Kareem Hunt to keep getting like 17 and a half opportunities per game the last three or four games. I just don't see that sustaining over the course of the season. And we also saw last year that the last five or six games, I think it was at the top of my head, Kareem Hunt was only averaging 12 or 13 opportunities a game. And you just can't bank on that unless you get a touchdown every week. So Kareem Hunt is someone I'm definitely off of and I'd be willing to sell right now while I can. So are you, are you a Kareem, big Kareem Hunt guy? And Maybe you just don't – you think that the role is very good and their offense is so good, or are you also going to sell him a little bit right now because of the lack of snaps? I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, I do think he's kind of a low-end wide, uh, low-end running back two value, which was sort of where we had him pegged before, but they have had just hyper-favorable game scripts. And, and they're a good team. The Browns are a good team, so they're going to have a lot of favorable game scripts. But maybe not this favorable, you know, even that game against the chiefs was competitive throughout. So they were able to keep running the ball and that's what they wanted to do to play, keep away from a, a good passing offense. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Like the, the touches are just a little bit inflated right now. So, um, you know, sell it, sell at the peak. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta sell while you can, especially because again, Nick Chubb is just way too talented for them for kareem hunt to keep just producing like that all year and that is what it is but obviously we've done some buy lows and sell highs but i wanted to have a little bit of hold you know because who doesn't love the hold part of the buy buy and sell and everything like that but for this one i made it specifically for just one player just one guy that we haven't really seen produce enough yet or one guy that we should be holding on to and holding out a lot of hope for so who is your one hold player that you are preaching out to people saying you need to keep on this guy and keep keep him while you can and do not trade him away yeah, Jonathan Taylor. It's not been an ideal start. We saw him uh, be pretty inefficient at the goal line and and just not get in and get those cash in on those touchdowns. Uh, three straight stuffs from the one yard line against the Rams. But he was getting all of these carries 
we knew eventually uh, the, the touchdown wall was going to collapse, and it did uh, this past week when he scored. So I just think this guy's an extraordinary talent, and I'm biased. I went to Wisconsin, so, uh, you know, he's my guy. I saw him just do amazing things in, in three years there, and I'm completely sold on this guy's talent. I mean, this combination of size, speed, and footwork is just incredibly rare. I, I think he's a special player. Um capable of, of catching the ball. And we're not going to see as much of that as we did with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. That's just a fact. But um, he's still somewhat involved in that. Like he's not getting shut out. It's not like uh, recent seasons of Derrick Henry where he was just a non-factor in the passing game. So even though the value is a little down, the Colts have been banged up. Quentin Nelson isn't in there right now. Um, you know, if you can buy any sort of a dip with him or if you're just if he's on your team and you're frustrated with him, I guess, you know, that's where the hold comes in. Like don't give up on Jonathan Taylor right now. He's, he's too good for you to give up on. Yeah. I was, I was very off him before the season. Definitely not a guy I wanted on my teams because of his tough schedule early on and what I thought this offense would be. But again, he's looked every bit of the part. And I think similar Marlon Mack or not, I think that down the stretch, he has a lot of really nice matchups. Maybe not to last year's level of where like everyone he was playing was like bottom five and he's playing like Jacksonville and Houston every other week. But again, I think he has a strong schedule, like a good, easy schedule during the second half of the season. I think he's definitely a guy that I'd be holding um, because of it. But I do worry a little bit with their offense and what their team is going to do, that they're not going to be in enough positive game scripts, um, especially if their defense continues to not be amazing. Um, but again, I think Jonathan Taylor, again, like you said, because of the talent and everything like that, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you just because you're a Badgers guy and you're you watching yeah. Wisconsin and you're, you're standing. I think, again, the talent is every bit of there. I just worry a little bit about the offense. We saw that last year that it did, wasn't a factor, their pass catchers or not. I think once you get Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith back, I think that helps a lot for their offensive line and the offense itself going forward. And I think as Carson Wentz gets more comfortable, I, I think good things for Jonathan Taylor down the road. Um, so any, anything else than Jonathan Taylor? Are you ready to move on to my final hold guy before we get into a couple waiver pickups? Let's do that. Let's hear your hold hold guy. Well, my hold guy is is a guy that I went a little bit back and forth on, but my hold guy is George Kittle, and I don't want to overthink it, and I think everything like that. And I think that it's concerning because he is getting a quarterback change now, and there's a real chance that Trey Lance is the guy for the rest of the season. But when I was looking back through – last night and this morning at what George Kittle has done on the football field, the fantasy football field, and everything in between, I found this. George Kittle was the tight end three in 2018. He was the tight end two in 2019, and he was the tight end two in the first seven weeks of 2020. I think that the talent that he's playing with is more than he's ever played with before, playing with Debo Samuel and with Brandon Ayuk, who's someone I still believe in. But again, this guy is still averaging 7.25 targets a game so far this season. He had 20 targets in his last two games. I know that Trey Lance, obviously, and what that passing offense looks like is going to be a little bit different. He's not going to be as accurate as Jimmy G, but he still hasn't gotten into the end zone. And I think that he's a guy that people should hold because, again, since his rookie year, he's been a top three tight end when he's been on the field every single year. We still don't see a lot of good tight ends. There aren't a lot of really great, consistent tight ends in fantasy football right now. And when you can get a guy that's been top three every time they're on the field, there's just no reason to get rid of George Kittle. And I think that if you are trading him, his value couldn't be any lower right now for what his trade value is. Again, the tight end landscape is not the best. So I think you have to hold guys as talented as George Kittle. So hopefully you're feeling the same way on that. I'd be surprised if you weren't. 
Yeah, I mean, he's averaged, what, three uh, over the last three seasons, 10 yards per target. That's just yeah. insane efficiency. Yeah. Probably no one harder to tackle with the ball in his hands in the NFL, except maybe Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, and a, kind of a skinny usage tree. With They don't really throw to their backs. Uh, Debo is kind of a target hog now. They're not even throwing at Ayuk that much that's this season. And then they've really got nothing else at wide receiver. So the targets are going to be there. And, and this guy is a long track record of efficiency. It's just a good player. I agree. Um, a little bit of a slow start, but no reason to be concerned. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Well, with that said, we did our hold, buy, sell, and everything like that. But, of course, our regularly scheduled, my regularly scheduled programming Usually a little bit of a waiver episode, so I figured we put in a little bit of a waiver portion in it with our top three waiver picks of week five. So who is your number one waiver pick for week five? I think it has to be Damian Williams this week with the knee injury to uh, David Montgomery of unknown severity as of now. They think it's not an ACL, but, uh, you know, MCL, something. It seems like it's going to be a multi-week injury that's going to thrust Damian Williams into this uh, starting role. And... We have seen him have some pretty significant short-term value before in Kansas City, where he was kind of a you know late-season league winner type of guy a couple of years ago. And they are going to keep, you know, they've had Montgomery be very involved. I think they want to keep it that way because they do not want to put too much pressure on Justin Fields or uh, you know, heaven forbid, Andy Dalton if they decide they're actually going to go back that route. But um, so I think it's got to be him. He's probably going to be the guy who's going to be sucking the most fab out of uh, fab leagues this week. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He's he's actually my number two. Um, just because it doesn't seem like it's going to be an ACL injury. Um, he put out a message like last night, like, thank God. And people seem to think that it means it's not an ACL. All reports have been that it will be a multi-week injury, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be season ending. And so for that, he's my number two. Because I think my number one is a guy that I was preaching about on this podcast relentlessly, and maybe it's me just sticking to my guns and dying on a hill, but I think that 100% Trey Lance will be a top eight quarterback for the rest of the fantasy season. And here's why. And here's why I left out a little bit of this that I talked about. Not only does he have an absolute cakewalk of a rest of season schedule, but the biggest thing that I love about Trey Lance, and this is a stat from Ian Harditz, is that since 2010, there have been 22 instances of a quarterback totaling at least 100 rush attempts in a single season. And that's 100 episodes in a season. That's four and a half rush attempts per game. 15 of those quarterbacks finished as a top eight fantasy QB. And 19 out of 22 quarterbacks averaged when they were playing were a top eight fantasy quarterback. A top eight fantasy quarterback when they averaged four and a half rush attempts per game and Trey Lance had seven in his first game and one half. So imagine if he's at around eight or nine, nine like sorry, 19 out of 22 were a top eight quarterback when they were playing. The only quarterbacks, Pat, because I know I can see in your face right now, you're dying to know who the three quarterbacks were that did not finish as a top eight during their time. 2012 Tim Tebow. 2014 Colin Kaepernick and 2020 Cam Newton were the only quarterbacks not to be top eight when they were playing while averaging at least four and a half rush attempts per game. They drafted Trey, sorry, they drafted Trey Lance number three. They traded two first round picks to get them. And as we saw this week, Trey Lance makes their offense far more dynamic, far more dangerous than Jimmy G because of what he can do with his legs. And if he continues to develop as a passer, when he has the yak bros, three of the best yards after the catch guys in the NFL with Debo, Ayuk, and George Kittle, 
I think he is an absolute must pick up. And I think that there's a real chance that he could be even better than Jalen Hurts for the rest of the season because of the weapons that he has, especially when he has these same rushing four. We've already seen if Jalen Hurts can do it. I think anybody can do it. I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy because of the rushing upside. And I think we'll continue to see that with Trey Lance. And I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is out multiple weeks, I just don't see a world where we, they look back and bring Jimmy Garoppolo back in, especially if Trey Lance lives up to that. So Trey Lance, I know it's a long rant, is a must pick up for me. He is the number one guy. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel pretty good. And he is my number two when I was doing the waiver wire rankings for fantasy pros today. I didn't even realize he was going to be eligible because I figured he was just uh, rostered in more than 50 percent of leagues. But much to my surprise, he wasn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I uh, might have given you something else on the, the sheet when we were, uh, you know, when I was filling these out a little last night. But he's got to be the number two guy this week for sure. Yep. Either either one or two. Like he is a. Um, you can make a strong case for him at number one, no question about it. But uh, and I'm glad you brought up the the Charmin soft schedule that the 49ers are going to face. That's something I forgot to mention early. Like you know, it is going to be a cakewalk for them the rest of the way. So exactly. that helps. Exactly, it's going to be great. But I have to say, real quick for the listeners, I am so disappointed and frustrated because I had Trey Lance rostered in just three leagues, and I was holding out hope. And I dropped him in my final three leagues just before this week because I was like, Jimmy Garoppolo is looking good. No way Trey Lance takes over. And, of course, when I drop him, now he's going to be great. going to be like a top waiver wire pickup for people. But that is okay. But, Pat, who is your number three waiver pickup for this week? All right, so number three for me is Darnell Mooney. And uh, I he clicked with Justin Fields yesterday. And uh, for some reason, it seems as if Fields and Allen Robinson are not on the same page. I don't think Allen Robinson has had a weekly finish inside the top 40 yet at wide receiver for fantasy. Um, and it's a, a pretty skinny usage tree in, in Chicago. It's really just, you know, Robinson and Mooney and every once in a while, Cole Komet and, you know, a few targets to David Montgomery. Like they've got their, Third and fourth receivers are probably the worst in the league. I think Demir Bird is their their third guy. So, um, you know, I think we're going to see elevated usage from Mooney. I think what we saw from him last year is legit. Like this guy's a good route runner. He can beat veteran NFL corners, and he's got some big time speed. So, um, I I think he's a pretty handy receiver to have around with the buys about to hit, with injuries continuing to mount. Like, I think he could be startable for teams in the next couple of weeks. I agree. Uh, he's someone that would be probably not number three for me, but at least four or five. But, again, a guy that's really talented and clearly has the chemistry with Justin Fields. And I know they said Andy Dalton's their starter, but Mooney's looked the part and he's had the target volume to back it up, even while dealing with a couple injuries lately. So I think he's someone that's very interesting and definitely worth a pickup. But my guy, never thought I'd really have him on a waiver wire pickup at this point. But it's Jamison Crowder, and I know that's surprising, but there's actually some method to the madness behind it. And obviously, this is his first week playing of the season with Zach Wilson, and he had nine targets, seven catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. But the reason that I think that he's so interesting is the fact that with Corey Davis playing, with Elijah Moore playing, Braxton Berrios was averaging seven targets a game in the first three weeks as their slot guy. And no disrespect to Braxton Berrios, drafted by the Patriots. I still always like to see him do well because he played for my team. But again, if Braxton Berrios is going to average seven targets a game in that slot role, imagine what Jamison Crowder could do in that role, similar to what Jamison Crowder did in that slot role with Sam Darnold. I know it's not Adam Gase, 
I know it's a different quarterback and a different coaching scheme, but the fact that this slot role right now is averaging over seven targets a game, I think especially in PPR leagues to be very interesting. And we've seen Jamison Crowder put up some pretty okay numbers in fantasy. Um, and I think that he's someone that's very interesting and could be a high target guy in this offense. So he's someone I'm willing to buy. Is he Was he on your list at all? Um, so he wasn't. I mean, I'm, I am guilty, Alex, of like overfading Jamison Crowder for years. I, I tend to disrespect him and like he – pretty frequently proves me wrong. And I, I did worry about the presence of Elijah Moore there. I worried about this being kind of a low octane offense and probably not a lot of touchdowns to go around. Plus his touchdown scoring history is not that illustrious anyway. Like if I was going to go for a slot possession receiver type, I think I'd rather have Hunter Renfro okay. than Jamison Crowder off waivers. But I mean, you make some really good points about the Barrios usage, and that was with Elijah Moore. So, uh, you know, maybe Wilson feels comfortable throwing to his slot guy, and we kind of saw that yesterday. So you might be on to something here. But I, I could also be a massive idiot because I was so on Elijah Moore. <laughs> Elijah Moore is one of the guys I preached about. And, like, I was sitting here on podcasts a month or two ago going, screw Jamison Crowder. Like, he's not <laughs> what Elijah Moore will ever be and here I am now telling people to get Jameson Crowder so I could be wrong but again because of the role and because of what Barrios did with this slot role earlier and it seems like Elijah Moore will be on the outside starting and not in the slot I think that bodes well for Crowder but again no no don't worry about disagreeing and, and stuff like that but I'll remember that you know next next time and I will you're walking by me and you don't see me I might have to put my leg up <laughs> Jamison Crowder ends up doing really well this year because you know, but you'll respect it. I mean, obviously, you won't be happy. Absolutely, ever want to come back on the podcast? But you'll you'll understand where it's coming from at least, even if you don't like it. But that is what it is. But Pat, that is the end of our show today. It has been absolutely wonderful to have you. So, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug for the listeners before we get out of here? Yeah, just uh, want to thank you again for having me on, Alex. Being the the, the guest on your hundredth show is uh, quite the honor, and I'm I'm very flattered that you would uh, ask me to come on. So, and uh, you know, people can find my work at fantasypros.com. They can find me on Twitter at fits underscore ff. My podcast is fits on fantasy, and uh, yeah, just thank you. Really appreciate it, Alex. And uh, you know, here's to the next hundred shows. Hey, here's to the next hundred. Thank you so much. But but that is it. Like I said to the listeners already, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I mean, like I said, you've heard me say thank you the last couple episodes because it really does mean the world. And this really is a dream for me. And the fact that there's anyone out there, even if it was just 10 people that are listening to me, and it is more than 10 people, Pat, just so you, just so you know, I'm kind of <laughs> obviously, but the fact that anyone in the world besides my mom and my dad would listen to me talk about football is uh, pretty special to me. And I take that very seriously, but it also means the world. So to you listeners, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart because you are helping make this dream come true. And I look forward to keep working hard every single day to do that. And I hope you keep coming back to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast for the next hundred episodes to give you the best content possible. With that being said, thank you to Pat. Pat is absolutely amazing. One of the Mount Rushmore for me of the fantasy football rankers. So please go follow him because he truly deserves a follow, especially now that he's with the fantasy pros team. You will begin to hear his name and why he's great more and more and more. But like I said, please leave me a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.